You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Guys, I'm really keen to share with you what's in this bag because I want to get rid of this bag. It's blocking, my, uh, blocking all my notes here. Uh, I, I'm holding in this, in this packet an Australian icon. Uh, this is uh, almost up there with Vegemite, uh, but it, it tastes even better. Uh, it, is, uh, it is as Aussie as Wheat Bix, but it's not quite as healthy for you. Uh, what's, what's in this bag is an Australian icon. This product has not changed since I was a little boy. And uh, I'm referring to Daryl Lee Rocky Road. Uh, do we have any Daryl Lee Rocky Road fans out there? Oh, yeah. Anybody not a Daryl Lee Rocky Road fan? <laughs> not as many hands. Well, look, you know, it's great when you can look back on a product and realise that this really hasn't changed since I was a little boy. Uh, it has been... Uh, and now I can at last put this down. You all had a good look. Oh, by the way, uh, don't get your hopes up. No quizzes. We're not giving this away this morning. Uh, this, is, uh, this is destined for uh, our family in Adelaide. We'll be taking that down to them very soon. So uh, now, oh, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Phil, just keep an eye on that, will you, please? <laughs> now, what you may not know is that the, uh, the Daryl Lee organisation, the Daryl Lee uh, family empire, which it is, it's a family business. It now has 84 stores across the nation. It employs more than 1,000 people. There are a further 1,800 of their uh, accredited uh, sub-branches, you know, service stations and pharmacies and so on. What you may not know, it's, it's a big family organisation, what you may not know is that it started less than half an hour's drive from here. Uh, that's non-peak hour traffic, by the way. It started in a fruit and veggie shop on the Corso in Manly. The Lee family were in the fruit and veg business. They had one little shop. And during the years of the Depression, when things were slow, as they often were, uh, they would make chocolates out the back to give to their family and friends and neighbours. And during the years of the Depression, the chocolates became more uh, profitable than the fruit and veg and today we have this huge company. From humble beginnings, here we have today a huge and lucrative company. And similar stories, of course, can be repeated over and over again uh, in corporate life in Australia and around the world. And we love these sort of stories. We love these stories because they, they speak of risk, they speak of courage, they speak of determination, they speak of the traits that, we, that, that inspire all of us to explore our potential. And to be the best we possibly can be. Well, there's a link with all of this between what Jesus was on about in, in this particular section of, of Matthew 13. You see, he had the responsibility one day of trying to explain the work of the kingdom and how, and how it all starts and how it gets going. He gathered a large group of his followers and he started describing what life in God's kingdom is like. The values, the priorities, the moral and ethical codes, the justice, the compassion the characteristics of life and existence for people who are allowing the Spirit of God to transform them from within. He was explaining kingdom life. And in this discourse found in Matthew 13, he's painting a big picture. It's a very big picture about the kingdom. He's actually describing how potentially it can exist in the hearts and lives of every single person. And my guess is that many of these people would have been thinking, now, okay, how... How's all this going to work? I mean, here's one man, granted an impressive man, but one man. He's got no army. He's got no wealthy backers. He's not a man of great influence. And here are we, and we're eager 
We're even enthusiastic. But who are we? We have no army. Who are we against the armies of Rome? Who are we as a force in this polytheistic society? In other words, a culture where there were many, many gods. How's all this going to work? And so, and so Jesus had to overcome these misunderstandings about the nature of his kingdom and his ways of operating within the hearts and lives of people. Questions were being asked. Questions like, well, how is this kingdom ushered in? I mean, how does its influence begin to dramatically transform people from within? How does one embrace its truth and power? And Jesus says, well, you know what? It doesn't take very much. It doesn't take very much. In my Father's kingdom, a little becomes a lot. He says, take the mustard seed. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but it grows. And in time, it becomes a large and robust plant. And of course, that's an analogy which these simple agriculturally oriented people of the first century would have instantly recognized and instantly identified with. Such was the masterful way Jesus had of of teaching and telling stories. In typical form, Jesus is able to break down heavy, complex, theological and spiritual truths. He's able to break them down into bite-sized, easily digestible chunks. And today, centuries later, against the backdrop of our modern, sophisticated society, the parable of the mustard seed is good news for the citizens of the kingdom of God, like you and me. It's great news for us as citizens of the kingdom, people who are seeking to bring in the kingdom within our sphere of influence. It's a simple parable with a very straightforward message. It's good news, first of all, for the person who believes they're not very gifted. It's good news for the person who believes they're not very gifted. And in a church like Northside where there are so many gifted people, it's, uh, it's easy to think like that. Jesus is saying, offer what you have. It may be small. You may think it's quite insignificant, but offer it and see what I can do. See what I can do with it, he says, to build my kingdom, to usher in the kingdom. I have so many examples of this from my ministry over the years. This would be one area of ministry life that excites me more than than most, how people have brought something to God and he's used it in an incredible way. A lady called Gwen Fisher came into my office in 1988. Now Gwen used to undersell herself greatly, but she wasn't the sort of person who'd stand up the front. I'd never seen her read the scriptures. She never prayed. She didn't play music. She she understated herself, but she had one big gift, and that was compassion. She loved people. And she said, Graham, I've got an idea for how we can use part of that house we've purchased. We just purchased a, a house adjacent to the, to the church, one of the first of three houses we eventually purchased. She said, I think we can start a recycled clothing shop in one part of that house. And uh, I said, well, that, that sounds great. I, I knew we were in, a, in an impoverished area. The area immediately around our church was quite impoverished. And there were no recycled clothing shops within any sort of distance. And so she got started. She said, look, I'll put the team together. She found that not only did she have the gift of compassion, she also had the gift of leadership because she pulled a team together very quickly. She was in her, in her senior years then, uh, deep into her 50s then. And uh, she pulled this, oh, senior years, hey, whoa, steady. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and this thing started to grow. The dearest item in that, in that shop at any one time was somewhere between 2 and $5. Uh, 
And it's just ironic, two of my dear friends are here this morning from Adelaide, Tony and Carol Carr. And Carol probably, probably contributed uh, many, many dollars worth of clothing to that store over the years. So they started, 1988. I got a phone call, and, and Gwen, Gwen's husband was a, an accountant. And every night they would write up the takings of the day, carefully noting every single dollar that came in. And uh, Gwen worked in those days four days a week, four days a week, full-time voluntary in that extraordinary, extraordinary service for Christ. Well, I got a phone call last November, just before Christmas, and a very excited Gwen, I keep in touch with her. She said, Graham, you won't won't believe it. She said, yesterday, we took our one millionth dollar through that shop. Can you believe that? I I couldn't believe it. One million dollars Dearest item, about $5, maybe, maybe 7 for a suit. Uh, just amazing. And Carol, you probably donated uh, $10,000 worth of that at least. So uh, just an extraordinary, it's just one lady's vision. Started small, but uh, blessed so many people during those 22 years. This is good news also for the person who believes they're not very, not very gifted. Well, we've already covered that. Let's go on to the next one. It's also good news for the person who who believes their faith is inadequate. Also for the person who gets lost in their notes. Uh, But good news for the person who believes their faith is inadequate because just as we compare ourselves in terms of giftedness, so it's natural to compare ourselves in terms of spirituality. We all can cite people who just seem to have a depth of spirituality that just leaves us awestruck. They have the right word of scripture for the right moment. They seem to move through life with a certain level of poise and confidence, tremendous trust in God. And whilst we draw strength from these people, when you're around them, you can also begin to feel uh, more than a little inadequate in their presence. The parable of the mustard seed is meant to be of great encouragement to people whose faith appears to be weak and meager. It shows clearly God can work with any amount of faith, whether great or small. Friends, that's a consistent theme throughout Scripture. God taking something small and doing something great with it, even in the area of of faith itself. This is portrayed so powerfully in an incident recorded in Luke chapter 9. Uh, or rather Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, where a young boy is brought to Jesus and he's possessed by an evil spirit. And in the first exchange of dialogue between the boy's father and, and Jesus, the dad says in verse 22, have pity on us and help us if you possibly can. Very important words. Have pity on us and help us if you possibly can. Now, does that sound like a, a rock solid statement of belief and faith to you? Or does that sound a little more like, look, we've tried everything else. People have said, maybe this Jesus can do something. So we're here and... Here he is. What can you do? I think it's a bit more like the latter. Wouldn't you agree? I think that's a bit closer to the mark. Well, sensing the man's hesitation and uncertainty, Jesus says, everything is possible for the person who has faith. And then the man makes his incredible statement, I do have faith, but not enough. Help me have more. I mean, if seeds represent faith, if seeds represent faith, you'd expect someone coming face to face with the Son of God would have a pocket full of them, wouldn't you? A pocket full of them. You're face to face with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But what do we find with this guy? He's like a, a guy, I'm sure guys you can identify, you're rummaging around your pocket trying to look for that last tic-tac. 
to freshen your breath, you know, and you can't find it. Uh, you know, that's where this guy is. He's down to his last little time. He's got nothing. There's nothing there, hardly. And yet the boy is healed, miraculously healed. And when the disciples asked Jesus, well, how come we couldn't do that? You know, he came to us first. Why couldn't we perform that miracle? Jesus makes this comment, this one, this type of spirit, this one can only be, be cast out through prayer. Only prayer can drive this kind of spirit out. And friends, when you read the passage, there's only one prayer that's been offered. Only one prayer that's recorded. Only one prayer that's recorded. And that prayer is, have pity on us and help us if you possibly can. Any communication with the master is a prayer, a form of prayer. That's the only one that's recorded. But it was answered. Why? Because what it lacked in faith, it made up for in sincerity. It came right deep from the heart. And that man discovered that the power is not in the words, it's in the one who hears the words and who responds. And in Matthew's account of this incident, Jesus adds, I assure you that if you have faith as big as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, go from here to there and it will go. I love the way Scripture speaks to Scripture, you know, and it's sort of all interrelated. There's another reference to the mustard seed. Well, the parable of the mustard seed is also good news for the Christian leader whose task it is to paint a picture of what's possible. Now, friends, that is a primary task of a leader in the kingdom of God. The primary task of a leader in the kingdom of God is to help people see what can be achieved, what is possible, and then to move them steadily toward the realization of that outcome. And uh, over the years, I've had the privilege of leading three churches only since graduation through a whole series of changes, including the changes we've experienced here at Northside. And I personally have drawn on this mustard seed principle often. That's my little secret, okay? I've drawn on this mustard seed principle often. Start small. Start with things people can handle. Take people with you step by step. Progressively reveal the big picture as you go along. And I've been inspired by other leaders over the years. And uh, some of you who've been around for a while, you know that regularly, every couple of years, two, three years, uh, I help to lead a team of young ministers as we go to America. And I've got to tell you, I've drawn such incredible strength from some of those leaders, as well as leaders here in Australia, but particularly over there where some of the projects undertaken have been just so massive. And one gentleman whom I've made reference to before, I know is a guy called Don Wilson, who's the pastor of our uh, Christ of the Valley Church in Phoenix, Arizona. And at times in this project, when I might have been tempted to give up, I kept thinking of Don Wilson. I first met him in 1999, sitting on a hill outside of Phoenix, Arizona. And Tim Foote was there and Graham Crowhurst. And we sat with this man under a makeshift tent. It was hot. There was a cactus next to us. It was a, an elevated point, And it was just desert. And way off in the distance, you could see the outer fringes of the city of Phoenix. And we sat there and Don outlined his vision for his church. He said, we've been meeting in a, in a, a theater, a small theater for 12 years. He said, I've just bought a big parcel of land around here. This is our new church right here. And we were you know, trying to be kind as we pulled our next can of seven up and under the, the heat, you know, <laughs> trying to be kind. I said, Don, uh, <laughs> this is a pretty desolate area. He said, oh, yeah. He said, but this is our church. This is where it's going to be filled with houses one day. Wow, really? Who said, who said that? He said, I've been talking to the city. The city said, the, the phoenix is coming this way. We said, yeah, well, okay. And like, we could barely see it, right? 
Now, we've been going back there subsequent years, every two or three years, and he's become a great friend. That church today, it's been this way for the last five years, is surrounded by houses. The city fathers were right. That's the way the city was coming. And this church on a 100-acre complex, I don't know what that is in hectares, uh, but it's a lot. Uh, it's a magnificent, it, that church has been such a powerful force for the kingdom in that community. And as you walk down the main thoroughfare past all the water displays and the fountains and everything's beautiful, uh, that hill is there and the cactus is still there and it's got a big cross, a big wooden cross has been erected on that hill as a reminder. That's where it started. One man's vision of what was possible. Incredible. Finally, friends, the parable of the mustard seed is good news for every disciple. Given we often have no way of knowing the long-term effects of our ministry for God. Is that not true? Often we have no way of knowing. One of the greatest things anybody can say to you, and when they say it, give thanks to God because this is as good as it gets in ministry. One of the greatest things anybody can say to you is, you know, you have helped me. You've helped me get a better understanding of God, a better understanding of God's love, of God's compassion, of God's kindness. You never know the impact of those little mustard seed ministries that you, that so many of you perform, that phone call, that little note, that email that comes to somebody just at the right time, that word after church, that willingness to pray with somebody when they really need it. And sometimes that feedback hits you and people will say, you know, that's meant so much to me. It's not the motivation for ministry because you don't get it often enough, but it is a, a welcome byproduct of ministry. Those little mustard seed ministries that you don't know, they seem small, they seem insignificant, but you don't know. You don't know where God is going to take those. Some of you may never know this side of heaven, the effects of your mustard seed ministries. I think that's the way it is. But when you do get to find out, thank God for those moments, I think I'm the product, you know, of many mustard seeds, of many, uh, many a mustard seed ministry. Um, I, I was a boy of about maybe uh, six or seven when living in Glenbrook up on the Lower Blue Mountains every Sunday morning, my mum and dad would pack my brother and, off, brother and, and, and I off. We'd drive down to Penrith and uh, we'd pull up outside the Country Women's Association Hall and my parents would go in there and they'd be joined by the Ellises and they'd sweep that place out and they'd clear all the beer bottles out from the night before and they'd set up a little table, put a little cloth over it, put out the, the communion and the open Bible. We rarely had a sermon. Sometimes a chaplain from the, the Air Force base there at Lura would, uh, uh, would, would come and talk with us, or Lapston rather. He would come and talk, but mainly it was just the open Bible and a bit of sharing, like a, like a connection group, two or three others. And I didn't fully understand what was going on in those days. I'm sure of that little six, seven-year-old boy. But I got the feeling that that weekly worship event meant everything to my parents. That, that was their whole life. And fortunately, that wasn't the only part of it. They lived that out through the rest of the week. And I got to realize what it meant to meet with the people of God. And that little meeting formed the, over several years, formed the basis of what is now the Penrith Church of Christ, which has been now on a, a site there in Penrith for, uh, for decades and a, a great influence for, for good and for the kingdom in that area. And, and your story would be similar. Some of you who've grown up in the church and others of you who came to Christ as adults and, and saw something in somebody which they might not even realize, but you saw it and you thought, wow. 
that's, that's everything. I've got to have that. Little mustard seed ministries. Friends, I don't know where you are this morning. You might be thinking, well, what, what, you know, what's my gift in a place like this? What's my gift? Well, you have a gift. And God wants you to bring that little gift, that little mustard seed, and he'll use it greatly. Maybe it's your lack of faith that's a problem for you. I haven't got much faith. I compare myself to him and her. And oh. Listen, it's not the strength of the faith. It's the sincerity of the heart. Maybe you're a leader and you're developing ideas for your area of ministry that you wonder how you're going to share them with people because they're so big and they're so expansive and they're so exciting. Share them with somebody. Let's get something started in your area of ministry that, that's really captured you. Meanwhile, all of us, let's keep sowing those seeds. Let's keep planting those seeds of those mustard seeds of grace and hope and love. We'll never know the fruit they will bear this side of heaven. Sometimes you will. That's not important. The important thing is to keep planting them. Be a mustard seed planter this week. Let's bow in prayer, shall we?